Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And here we are, back in the solo series. Haven't done this in a while. And I'll be honest with you. This is one I'm not sure I was going to do. And the reason I wasn't sure if I was going to do it is because I have basically excised this job out of every trace of professional material I have out on the web. Like, you won't find this on my LinkedIn profile. You won't hear me refer to this when I write a bio. I just, it's like it never existed. And this is one of the stranger blips I've ever had in my career. And this job, I was a marketing manager for an energy drink company. Now, I'm not going to tell you which energy drink this is. A, because I don't feel like doing that. I, they don't need any juice from this. I'm not going to tag them on social media. Please don't tag them if you know who it is. And B... I don't want to put a name to the company I'm about to slag on pretty severely over the next however many minutes we do this. Because this was a really, really unpleasant gig on a number of fronts. Now, let me set the scene for you a little bit. It is 2010. Spring. It's like winter to spring. And I'm at the PR firm. I'm with my friend Zach. And things are going well. I mean, we're both sort of on the ascent. He and I get put on all the best accounts there. They clearly see something in us. And we feel like in a slight way we're being groomed to, to level up there. But it's not happening very fast. And it gets to a point where we both kind of feel like we're spinning our wheels. And I start itching for something different. So I'm looking, you know, I'm on Andrew Hudson's jobs list, which is a fabulous site, by the way. If you're looking for a job in Denver... Andrew Hudson's jobs list. He has grown that remarkably. He's the former marketing manager for Frontier Airlines. I think he used to work for Hickenlooper when he was mayor. Just a great guy. I've met him a couple of times. Terrific person. And I find this one. And it says marketing manager. Insert name here, energy drink company. I go, oh, that's interesting. So I look him up on the web. And it seems just cool as hell. Like it's locally produced. And by the way, as I talk about this, you'll probably be able to guess who this is if you know anything about energy drinks. Again, don't at me with it. Don't tag them. I don't want to invite these folks back into my life. It, I just really don't want that. But I go, okay, cool. Locally produced. They seem to have better ingredients than most of the traditional mainstream energy drinks, you know, the larger national ones. And they have athletes that they sponsor. Everything from UFC to like skydiving to car racing, all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, wow, this seems really, really cool. So I put in my resume, submit my application, get an interview. I show up there wearing a suit because that's what you do, right? Little did I know, this is the energy drink industry. And for the two months that I worked there, I showed up wearing like, like I was dressed in college, just like dingy old sweatshirts and backwards hats. And it really didn't matter. He didn't care. It, it wasn't a big deal, which was great because I had to get there at 7 in the morning. That's when work started every day. 
But I show up in my suit, I do my interview, I talk with the main guy who's in charge. He seems to like me. We seem to hit it off pretty well. And then he has me interview with like this other guy who worked there who did mostly graphic design, but he seemed to be the number two guy there. But I find out he's leaving and he does that old dumb interview trick where he's like, he puts a can of the energy drink on the desk and he goes, sell me this can of energy drink. And I'm like, oh God. All right. And he's like, but you have no budget and you basically have your product. Like, how do you do this for free? So I invent this whole scenario where we target high schools and we say, you know, put together a campaign, submit a video and you and your school have the chance to have one of our athletes come perform at your school. And like, it was much more involved than that, but it's been what now nine years since I've done this. And he goes, wow, that's really good. I don't think too much of it. I go back to work and shortly thereafter, I go down to Tucson to catch some spring training. And at the same time, I'm interviewing for, oddly enough, a job at Koga again. My very first job, they have a position come open. Turns out they wrote the description wrong. I am perfect for the description that they have on the web. But what she wants is someone who's like a web developer, like a web designer. Someone who can has like a technical expertise. I mean, they wanted a programmer, basically. So I'm talking to her and I'm like, all right, well, listen, I'm going to take myself out of the running. I have none of this expertise, although you seem really cool. It was this chick named Jill and I would have really liked to do this. So if something else comes up, let me know. And she goes, yeah, I'm sorry too. Best of luck to you. So I'm sitting there going, all right, well, what am I going to do? I haven't heard from the energy drink or anything. And I get a call from one of their people and they're like, we want you to come in again. I go, great. So I come back. He offers me the job pretty much on the spot. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in. And we're talking money. At the time, I was making $42,000 a year at, uh, at MGA. And I'm like, dude, when I leave the PR firm, like PR firms traditionally don't pay all that well. It's agency life. And, you know, agencies are at the whim of billable hours. The winds of those, <laughs> the winds of those. The winds of change there happen very quickly and very abruptly. So the staff costs are typically fairly low, which translates to lower salaries. I'm like, look, man, I, I got to level up here a little bit. And this is awful. I, I was not a good negotiator back then. Who the hell knows if I even am now? But he goes, well, I don't want to be cute and offer you like 43. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do it for 43, which is embarrassing in retrospect because you know what I signed for? 45. Seriously, $3,000 difference for me to go to this job. And I'm like, well, all right, that's, that's outstanding. So I get that locked away. My friend Zach tells me he's leaving to start his own firm. And his firm, by the way, is Four Degrees, the number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. My sponsor on every episode of this show. We quit on the same day, which had to be brutal for MGA when two account managers quit on the same day. But, you know, I'm excited. I take some time between gigs. Anytime you can do that, always take time between gigs. Like mentally refresh yourself. Get some time away. Not everyone can do this, but I was in a place where I could take like a week. I think it was just a week. But I started there. My first day there is a weird day because my boss says to me, he's like, well, just go on the server and just read everything you can on the server. I'm like, <laughs> radio boss. Perfect. Thank you. That sounds okay. The second day he has me go out with a salesman 
and I'm riding around in the car with the salesman. We're talking about the culture of the company and what he does. You know, he goes to different accounts, uh, like gas stations and convenience stores and stuff and talks to them. What do they need? You know, what kind of promotion can we give them? What kind of discount? Yada, yada, yada. And at the end of this day, I remember I came home and Kristen asked me, Hey, how was, uh, how was your second day? I go, you know, it was all right. I guess it was a, a second day. I went into the bedroom, fell down on the bed and just started weeping. Like literally just crying my eyes out, just sobbing because, and she comes in she goes, Oh my God, what's wrong? And I go, I think I've made a terrible mistake. I think I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> and I'm just weeping because I know this is not going to be the company for me. I can just tell. I feel it in my bones. And that's a horrible feeling. But I sort of throw myself a pity party for just a few minutes. And I wake up with resolve the next day. And I go, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to try my hardest. I, I've overcome harder things. I remember feeling this same way. Like the first day of grad school. I'm like, I don't think I can do this. I think the workload's too much. Nah, nah, nah. But I, I conquered that. That was fine. Grad school ended up being great. I go, you know what? This is probably the same thing. It's just first, second day jitters. It'll be all right. And the next day was a half day anyway because I already had this appointment on the calendar. And I'm like, look, I'm leaving at noon. And I did. Uh, and the company was cool-ish. We'll get there. In that, you know, we had shortened day Fridays. We typically leave at like 2. And so I've got three days underneath me. I worked Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then I go in for my first full week. And that's when it starts. So I'm the new marketing manager. And by the way, nothing's set up. I have this dude's old Blackberry. So like all his old fucking parkour friends used to call me all the time and like send me text messages like, hey, when are we going to the parkour gym again? And I'm like, dude, this ain't Brian. All right. This is, this is John. Brian's number is this. Please contact him here. My computer was like this dude's old computer. So it had all this like old programs. Like there was a design and a drawing for this fucking parkour course that he wanted to make. And I'm like, what am I doing here? But the emails start rolling in. And when you work for an energy drink and you're a one man shop, it is amazing how many people want your attention at all times. Literally, my email was awful. With every Tom, Dick, and Quasimodo out there trying to shill me on some two-bit fucking festival or, you know, car race or rodeo or concert or, you know, musicians and cage fighters and motocross guys all wanting us to sponsor them. And what I found out that first day when I got interviewed was that, hey, you have to continue to push this product and market it. He won't give you any money. He won't give you any budget. And I had this directive too. Basically, don't put us anywhere where we look cheap. And it's like, well, motherfucker, it's hard to not look cheap when you don't give me any money. And you tell me to just sponsor things with product. Like, can we get uh, a sponsorship credit if we give you product? I mean, there's a certain sort of internal logic to this, but he wanted as many people to have a can of this energy drink in their hand as possible. And he thought, okay, if we give it away for free, then, you know, they go to the store and they buy it. Okay, fair enough. Not a terrible philosophy, but there are, there are times where you got to kick in a few shekels here, bro. Like, 
when they ask me for $3,000 in sponsorship and I can't give them three grand, what the fuck, man? Like, so that's rough. So I'm basically trying to fight with one hand tied behind my back at all times. Like, seriously, I'm just hamstrung and I can't do anything. And he told me I had some autonomy, but he wanted me to copy him on every email Every opportunity that came up, we had to sit down and review them and talk about them. And I'm like, dude, like, just do this yourself then. If you don't want me to do it, like, fine. I, I have no problem with that. But if you actually have me for this job, give me some parameters and I will make it happen for you. That, and I had to do a daily report every single day. So I started out just doing high level stuff because I didn't think he wanted chapter and verse, but no, 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 no. He wanted length. He wanted to see length every single day. And so my reports were typically between one and two pages of every single activity I did that day. Every email I sent, every call I took, every conversation I had, every piece of work product I developed, everything that was in the midst of development. I mean, I just had to pad this fucking thing out every single day with every task that I did. And at the top of that list, what I would write is created this report for you. <laughs> and oh God, thinking about it now just gives me anxiety because what a fucking pointless waste of time. I mean, seriously, like put some metrics there and I will meet them, but you want to see every single thing I'm doing every day. Dude, get bent. I mean, get the fuck out. What, what an embarrassing culture. Everyone else who worked there was really, really nice. The sales team was terrific. Uh, our office manager, I adore her. I'm still friends with her on Facebook. Um, our warehouse guy was awesome. He was so funny because <laughs> there, I, and I'm going to give too much away if I get too specific on this, but every day at lunch, he used to go to a nearby restaurant, get the blue plate special, whatever it was. And that was like $4 or whatever. And who the hell knows what it was like hot dogs one day, meatloaf the next. I, I don't even know. I never ate there and drink three beers every single day at lunch. He'd leave at exactly like this time. I want to say it was like 1130. He'd go there, get his lunch, drink three beers, come back, manage the warehouse. It was amazing. What a cool guy. They were all lovely. And from what I could tell, they all hated our big boss, the guy who ran the company just what a fucking dick. Seriously. And I know I'm torching the earth here, but it is what it is. I, I have no connection to this industry anymore. And for the record, I drank energy drinks once upon a time. I mean, I was sort of the right age. I was like 18 when Red Bull really became a big thing. And, you know, from there, drank a ton of rock star in college. I never really cared for monster, but you know, you, you tried them all. And there were a ton back then. Um, and I could name them all for you, but I'd really rather not. So I work here. We not only had drinks, but we had gum. And you remember growing up, if you're a certain age like I am, there was like Dr. Pepper gum and 7-Up gum and like A&W gum. And it was like this little tiny square. It looked like an eraser. And inside there was like goo. And it would kind of shoot into your mouth. Like you'd bite down on it and you'd get this blast of like liquid, you know, that tasted like 7-Up. You're like, hmm, oh, 7-Up. Wow. What a dumb way to consume this soda. Hey, let's do that for energy drink. The kicker was that little blob of goo had just as much caffeine and energy potency as an entire can of the product. 
So you can imagine if you ate more than, I don't know, two pieces of this, you'd be fucked up. You not, I mean, not drunk, but you'd be flying fucking high. And we could always tell when he was trying to get the gum recipe right, because if you have too much of this, like ginseng or guarana or taurin or whatever, all this shit that, that is in these energy drinks, if you have too much of it, you get what's called niacin flush. And that basically just means your face and your neck are red because you've had so much niacin, it changes the pigment of your skin temporarily. And we'd see him when he was testing out new gum and he'd have niacin flush. And it's like, oh God, today is going to be a long day. Because here's the other thing about working there. This dude was a fucking tyrant. Like seriously, just like a bad mamma jamma. And I personally have never had anyone other than like, you know, asshole coaches from when I was a kid yell in my face, but in a professional environment, never have I had anyone yell at me directly at me and scream in my face. That happened multiple times at this place, at my place of work, where I am a professional with two degrees tasked with doing a job. He would get in my face and start screaming at me. Do you have any idea what that's like? I mean, has that happened to you? I've talked to other people and they said, I've never had a boss scream at me. Yeah, no shit. Because you know why? We're adults here. And that doesn't happen. But no, that happened a plenty here. Which was really, really disconcerting. And I was told by the office manager, she's like, I've never seen anyone spar with him the way you do. Yeah, you know why? Because fuck you. Like, you don't get to do that to me. You don't get to treat another person that way. And you're going to fire at me? I'm going to return fire back at you. And so we'd go round and round. And I don't know if he liked that, if he respected that. Uh, in retrospect, that might have been a poor choice, but I've always sort of had a problem with bullshit authority. And this was the height of bullshit authority. I was listening to All Fantasy Everything the other day. And Ian Carmel has this term, like he was working down at the Super Bowl. He's the head writer for the Late Late Show with James Corden. <laughs> and down at the Super Bowl, the British have a term for this, and it's jobsworths. And it's someone with a tiny little bit of authority that they use to their maximum benefit. Like, let's see your credentials, please. Have your credentials out at all times. That kind of person. And event security is like the perfect example of a jobsworth. This guy was the head of the company and was still a fucking job's worth. He would still just wring every single little bit of authority out of his role that he could and used it to beat up the staff. And I say beat up. He was never physically violent. He never put his hands on me. Nothing like that. But that didn't stop him from getting in a fight with three dudes outside a bar in Cherry Creek. So he comes in. He's all bruised and like concussed. And I'm like, Jesus, what happened? And he's like, oh, I, uh, I got in a fight with these dudes last night. And I go, dude, why are you fighting? Like, you're, you're almost 40, and you're still getting in fights outside bars? What the fuck? Like, that, that's wild, man. And that's not cool. Um, and I think the reason I say, like, concussed is because his mood varied so wildly after that. He would be sweet as pie, sweet as can be for like a day. And then the next day would just be rampaging on the warpath. Made a very challenging, tough place to work. Just, I mean, on so many fronts, I'm getting assaulted by emails. Just 
day after day after day. Hey, come do this extreme sports festival. Hey, sponsor me. I'm a shitty musician. Hey, sponsor me. I'm a terrible motocross rider. Uh, come do our opening. We have a go-kart track. That one we actually did. Um, and that was cool. I got to ride around on go-karts. That was probably one of the better days of work that I had. But after a month of this, I realized I can't take it anymore. It was one of the longest months of my entire life. And you know how sometimes you get the Sunday night blues where, you know, it's Sunday and you got to go back to work on Monday. You're not ready for it. You know, you're going to sit down. You, you maybe have a low level of satisfaction from your job. So that's kind of just giving you the blues. I used to get that on Friday nights because the weekend was never long enough. And I'd be thinking to myself, I can't believe I have to be back here in two days. And the weekend would fly by. The week would just crawl inch by inch by inch. I'd get to Friday night. I'd go, cool. It's like on the Simpsons when they're excited after they get home from church because it's the maximum amount of time they are away from church. That was me on Friday night. I am the maximum amount of time away from my job, yet I'm still dreading going in on Monday. So I'm like, I can't do this. So I tell my dad, and I'm like, Dad, I got to get out of here. I got to get back to a place that's actually professional. He hooks me up with Stephen Flaherty. Stephen Flaherty is in the oil and gas industry. And he says, you know, what do you do? What's your specialty? I describe it to him and he goes, that's exactly what I need. But you got to give me some time because number one, uh, takes me a little bit to navigate the channels here to get a new position approved. And number two, uh, BP just basically spilled an unbelievable amount of oil in the Gulf and our company has rigs in the Gulf. So we're kind of getting, you know, we're, we're caught up in this current of BP just being a horrible fucking company. And which for the record, I mean, the way they handled that was just awful, like every step of the way and just abhorrent. Um, that's my personal opinion. Uh, I'm certain if you're listening to this, you maybe feel the same way. So I'm like, okay, fine. I continue trudging through at work and it gets to the point where I, I just, I cannot take it anymore. I cannot take it anymore. So I'm talking to my friend, Claire, who worked at MGA and she says, you know, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm moving to this new city with my boyfriend. Just give me a second. Okay. And they will have a role open and I'm going to try and tee you up. It gets to the point where I jump the gun on her by a few days and I have lunch with my old boss, Mike. And I tell him, I'm like, Mike, I got to get out of here, man. And if you guys have contract work, I would love to come back and work for you. Now, this is also interesting because in my exit interview, there were things that I was frustrated with, uh, at the company. And I was not shy about venting those to the woman conducting my exit interview. So I'm wondering if I've burned this bridge entirely, but turns out I haven't. My friend Claire left. Mike calls me and he said, come in tomorrow. Let's, uh, let's talk about this. We'll get something going. I go, okay, great. And it's serendipitous because I'm going to go do that at five. That's when I leave work at this energy drink. <laughs> right before that happens, my boss gathers everyone together the VP of sales, the head salesman, our promotions chick, our office manager, our warehouse guy, and just proceeds to rip us all new assholes. 
We're standing in a circle as he just bites down and chews our asses and will not let go. One of the most brutal things I've ever experienced. And so I tell him, I'm like, he comes to my office afterward. Kind of like, it, it felt like, and I'm not trying to make light of this, but it felt like some abusive dad coming in and like apologizing and trying to like give you, you know, a, a pat on the shoulder after he's just beating the shit out of you. And he goes, can you make this work? And I'm like, dude, I'll do my best. All right. We'll see. Right after that, I got in my car, drove to my PR firm, talked to them. They said, Hey, we'll bring you back. We'll guarantee you 20 hours a week, which is half time at $25 an hour. I go, I will take it. I will take it. And they said, if you bring in more business, you can work as much as you want, but we're not guaranteeing you a salary. It's all hourly. I go, okay, let's make it happen. Went in the next day, sat down and quit. And it was great. It was glorious. So this was a Thursday and it was right before some holiday weekend. I want to say like Memorial day. And I've got some events that I promised to work over the weekend. And the funny thing is, I think he was used to people quitting because people would just stop showing up or they'd be like, yeah, I quit and leave their key under the door <laughs> and just peace the fuck out. Meanwhile, I sit down with him and I say, look, I'm quitting, but, and before I can even get the butt out, he goes, all right, well, you can get out right now then. And I'm like, hold on. Okay. There are people here who depend on me, who depend on us. And I've set up things that they don't know about. So here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to work the rest of the week and I'll work through the weekend. I will get these events done for you and then I'll quit. Okay. How about that? And he goes, okay. He was, he was really nice to me after that. And just that simple gesture turned him around, which if you're following the arc of this story, I think this industry really just is, is sort of a, a breeding ground for terrible behavior. I mean, I've heard that about beverages. Beverage is incredibly cutthroat, which, okay, well, I'll narrow it down for you by one. This was not Red Bull. But I ran into some Red Bull reps. We were at the same convenience store talking to the manager. And uh, they were just king douches from Douche Mountain. It was unreal. They were so smug about who they were because they were number one. And it's like, okay, eat my ass, fellas. Like, we're, we're not saving the fucking manatees here. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're slinging energy drink. Okay? Give me a break. Um, so those guys were awful. And... I mean, I, I hope they swallow a knife, but given that you're in that environment all the time, just incredibly cutthroat over something that is so inconsequential too. We're talking about beverages here. We're talking about energy drinks. Give me a break. The environment is so hostile though, that I think that simple act of kindness, he didn't see hardly ever. And it turned him around a little bit. And I go, okay, that's interesting. So really tough industry, but I worked the events. I was at my last event. It was the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sitting at this rodeo that's attended by like a hundred people out, like way the hell out in Arapahoe County. And I'm like, all right, I never have to do this again. That is a dynamite feeling. I don't know what I'm going to do for money because $25 an hour. I mean, it's a good rate. 20 hours a week. 
Not a ton of money. You know? I mean, doing some quick math here, what's that? $500 a week? Yikes. That's, I mean, that's not a ton to live on, but you know what? I made it work. And I got out of there. And that's what really, really matters. And what's funny is, the next time I do this series, you'll hear uh, some of the weird side hustle gigs that I took on in that time. One, notably, and we'll get to that the next time we do this. But for two inglorious months, I was the manager of an energy drink, the marketing manager of an energy drink, and I really did not enjoy anything about it. So again, one of the weirder gigs, you go on my LinkedIn, you won't find it there. Go to deftcom.us, you won't find it there. You won't find it anywhere except for right here. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about it, but you know what? This story deserves to be told because this was a weird time in my life that I don't revisit all that frequently. But now that I have, feels good to get it off my chest because I've told these stories usually after drinking and I have not been drinking this morning as I record this. But it's kind of cathartic. So, all right, let's play the outro. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. That's my current gig and one that I love greatly. Training, content, engagement, podcasting. Tell your organization's story in a new way. Hit me up. I will help you do that. Our sponsor is 4 Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Your one-stop shop for everything you need to do online, including hosting this podcast. We thank them very much for being a part of it from the get-go. Online campaigns, paid media, website building, hosting, and everything that you could ever need to do online, 4Degrees has you covered. The number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. John of All Trades Podcast is on social media. Check us out on the web. J-O-A-T pod is the handle for Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. When I do normal episodes where I interview people, Mondays we do the first job series. That's on Facebook and LinkedIn only. Wednesday is when new episodes drop. Those are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and virtually every other podcatcher that's out there. I'll be back here next week with a fresh guest and a traditional episode. We'll revisit the John's Audio Resume series very soon. But until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny. The John of All Trades podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak.